Hello, hello, and welcome to season two of Coast to Coast College Hockey Podcast. My name is Jenna Van Sickle, and I am about to be a junior at Boston University. And this is the first episode of our second season, and I'm so excited. Now, if you've been following us on Twitter, you will know that my co-host Kara is taking the semester off from the podcast because she is studying abroad in London, and I could not be more excited for her. So I have taken the reins in her absence and am recording this episode all by my lonesome. So fingers crossed everything goes well and I can figure out how to upload this because that was Kara's job. I did the social media, so we shall see. This first episode, I really wanted to make just a big overview of the offseason for NCAA D1 hockey to really get everyone caught up on what's been going on in the hockey world and just get us all caught up on what we've missed since our last episode. For the preseason, I'm planning to do one episode per week, so keep an eye out for other episodes. Um, They should all be out on Wednesdays. So without further ado, let's just jump into the news. So some of the big news this summer that I have been following as closely as possible has been the colleges that have postponed or canceled their hockey programs and are now bringing them back. So it looks like at this time, Robert Morris University, University of Alaska Anchorage, and University of Alabama Huntsville are all planning to reinstate their hockey programs for the 2022-23 season. So not this upcoming one, there's going to be a pause in those programs this year. So RMU is saying they're pausing the program this year after they previously announced the cancellation of both their men's and women's programs in May. And as you might remember, there are some amazing hockey players who have come out of RMU. I know lots of the women who play in the NWHL have come out of RMU, including some from the most recent draft. So that was pretty shocking news in the college hockey world. But I'm glad they're bringing the programs back. I wish they were coming back this season, but hopefully more updates will come with that. If you are looking for more information on that, the Pittsburgh College Hockey Foundation has been doing some fundraising for that program. So if you go to pghhockey.org, you can find more information on the Pittsburgh College Hockey Foundation Um, as well as the whole RMU hockey program situation, which has been, in all honesty, (laughs) a bit of a mess. So here's hoping that those programs come back and are as strong as ever. Um, I'm always, always an advocate for more hockey at more schools. I wish, I wish more schools had hockey teams and hockey programs. So seeing schools taking away their programs really hurts my heart. So Reinstating, obviously, is a bit complicated, but I'd rather they reinstate their teams than just cancel them completely. And then in regards to University of Alaska Anchorage, their Board of Regents voted in September of 2020 to discontinue hockey, as well as two other sports, gymnastics and alpine skiing, which I think they would want skiing in Alaska, but what do I know? Um, So... They discontinued those sports unless the teams could raise two years of private funding. And then it was announced this um, just very recently, October 31st, that they had 
the hockey program had reached their goal of $3 million. So that program also will be reinstated. And then the ongoing story that we have mentioned before on the podcast, Alabama Huntsville is suspending their operations for this upcoming season due to lack of conference affiliation and applying to the Atlantic Hockey. So they will hopefully be in Atlantic Hockey, uh, not this season, but the one following. The application process obviously is a bit tricky, so best of luck to the Alabama Huntsville program. Their former conference, the WCHA, as we know, dissolved after last season because seven of the teams broke off to form the CCHA. So I don't necessarily know enough to get into all of the conference politics and all that, but the gist of it is that conference is no longer, and seven of those teams broke off to form the CCHA. So Alabama Huntsville was not the only one in that conference who did not go to the CCHA. There were two other teams, Anchorage, who I mentioned previously, and then Alaska Fairbanks as well. And it looks like Fairbanks is planning to move forward this season as an independent. Um, And speaking of independents, there has been news surrounding some of the independent teams in D1 hockey. So we have Long Island, who is a relatively new program, and Arizona State, who's a little bit older but not much, will both be independents for this upcoming season while they continue to look for conferences. And then looking a bit further into the future, Lindenwood, based in suburban St. Louis, is also planning to start playing in 2022-23 as an independent, but is currently searching for a conference. So I will keep my eye on that program and see if they get into a conference for their first season. But as we know, it is not super uncommon to see teams not have a conference affiliation at all times, whether they're switching, whether they just want to be an independent It's relatively common in college hockey. So I thought this would be a good time to discuss, (laughs) although it is a one-person discussion as we don't have a guest today. So I thought about which which conferences I thought were the best fit for each of these teams that does not have a conference at the moment or for their inaugural season. And the first one I wanted to talk about was ASU, so Arizona State. They have been independent since they started up their program, and I really think that the best conference for them if they're looking to enter a conference would be the NCHC, just because of their proximity to Denver and Colorado State, which I know isn't the closest, but ASU already travels a bunch, so having some teams in relative proximity would be better than none, and they would be playing some of the Midwest teams as well. So I think that would be the best fit for them. Although it's hard with those farther out teams to really find something that really fits their needs and makes it as convenient as possible for those players. Moving on to Long Island, I think Atlantic hockey would be the best decision. I honestly can't see them in Hockey East or ECAC for some reason. I'm not exactly sure where that is. I just don't see them fitting into into Hockey East, which is where BU plays, um, which is a pretty, pretty small geographical area for those teams. And ECAC just didn't seem like as good of a fit as Atlantic Hockey. So I would, wouldn't be surprised if at some point we saw them at least applying to be in Atlantic Hockey. 
And for Lindenwood, which again will not be playing this upcoming season, so they are a full season away from their inaugural season, I think the CCHA would be a great fit for them. That's the new league formed by 7 out of 10 of WCHA teams. And I think because this league has some other small Midwest schools, because Lindenburg, Lindenwood excuse me, is outside of St. Louis, I think this would be a good fit geographically as well as they fit kind of the the profile of schools in this conference. So I think it would be a good match. Obviously, they could look at other conferences, um, but I know some of them are pretty hard to get into. Like I don't think any of these unaffiliated teams are going to get into the Big Ten because um, they really don't accept too many teams outside of the the Big Ten conference for football and all the other sports. And then lastly, Fairbanks and Anchorage. I was really struggling, similar to ASU, to find what would be a good fit because they are just so far from every other team. But my best guess is that they're going to do something together as the two Alaska schools in college hockey whatever they do, they need to do as a united front. So if Anchorage picks something because Fairbanks currently isn't looking for a conference, I think when Fairbanks starts looking, they probably will want to be in the same one as Anchorage, whatever that may be. They really don't have any proximity like ASU did with Denver and Colorado College. So if they end up in a conference and not independent, I sincerely hope that they're in the same one just so they can get those in interconference games um, against each other as much as possible. But I will make sure to keep you all updated on any conference affiliation news coming up this season or next season. The next big thing that happened this summer was the NCAA transfer rule change So there's been a long-standing NCAA rule that prevented athletes in five different sports from playing in their first year after transferring. And the logic behind this, I believe, was just to prevent athletes from continuously transferring and making it a bigger decision. So athletes in some of the really big televised sports didn't just switch because they wanted to be on a winning team. They had a bit more reason to stay with the program and stick it out and try and make the best of it. Um, The NCAA's new transfer rule, however, says athletes from all sports will be allowed to transfer once without being required to sit out their first year. So emphasis on transfer once. If you are transferring a second time, I believe there would still be a, uh, a year required to sit out for those five sports, which includes hockey. And if you're looking for more information on this, there's a great article in the Dartmouth about this. So just search them up with the NCAA transfer rule and you'll find a great resource on this this new rule. I know it can be a bit confusing. I tried to explain it as simply as possible, but honestly, the politics of the NCAA are complicated and vast and I am no expert there. But from what I can grasp 
For hockey, this means that athletes who are playing winter sports, such as hockey, must notify their schools of their transfer decision by May 1st of the preceding year. And then for spring sports, it is July 1st and fall sports, it's also May 1st. And the NCAA Council also voted to allow a blanket waiver for the initial year of the rule that sets the date for all athletes at July 1st. So that means that hockey players this year, if they're entering the transfer portal, have to announce that by July 1st, which is later than usual. So it'll be interesting to see with this new rule if we see more transfers in hockey. My guess would be yes, and how that impacts teams and what players we see go where. Next up, we have plenty of coach changes around the double NCA, including Bill Riga, who was an assistant coach at Quinnipiac the last 13 seasons, so quite a career there, and has now been named head coach at Holy Cross. We also have some changes um, on the other changes on the East Coast, including Ben Barr, who was with UMass on the recent national championship and has now been named Maine's permanent head coach. They had an interim head coach a bit this summer, and he assigned a four-year contract with Maine. Then we have Mike Corbett, who previously was an assistant coach at Robert Morris, but as we know, that program was canceled and is now taking a, quote, pause and he is now going to be an assistant at Quinnipiac. So we have a bit of shuffling around the double NCAA. Lots of the same people moving around for the same jobs, but isn't that how it always is in hockey? We have Jerry Keith, who is a former assistant coach, now taking over as a head coach at Northeastern, which has been an open secret for the longest time, but was finally officially announced. And it looks like the previous head coach at Northeastern, Jim Madigan, will be the school's new athletic director, which is exciting news for those at Northeastern. And then finally, we have a new head coach at Western Michigan, Pat Bershwheeler, and he is becoming head coach after Andy Murray stepped down. So that is a pretty quick summary of all that has happened in college hockey this summer. I am sure I missed a bunch. I know there are plenty of incoming prospects and things that we still have to talk about this preseason. Don't worry, we will get to that. I would like to just keep this episode pretty short and sweet and really hit the high points of this offseason and what you need to know if you're a casual fan, if you're a fanatic, whatever it is, just some background as you go into this season and get ready. I also would like to acknowledge that there was some pretty heartbreaking news out of the college hockey world this summer with several unfortunate deaths from college hockey coaches, former players, and those related to coaches and staff members. So I would like to take this moment um, towards the end of the podcast just to acknowledge those who have been lost by the college hockey community. Um, If you are affected by these losses, I am so incredibly sorry. I'm keeping you in my thoughts, all the family and friends of those who have been lost, and hopefully we can all come together as the college hockey community to 
to enjoy the sport that we have loved and acknowledge these lives. So first is Maine head coach Dennis Red Gendron, then Tom Curvers, who was a longtime NHL defenseman and executive and won the Hobie Baker Award in 1984 while playing for Minnesota Duluth. Then we have Mac Motzko, who was the son of Minnesota Twin Cities head coach Bob Motzko. And finally, we have the most recent news of Jimmy Hayes, a former BC player who passed away. And he played three seasons for BC and was a member of their 2010 national championship team. So please join me in keeping the friends and family of these members of the college hockey family in your thoughts. As, as always, with tragedy, please take a t- this time to hug your loved ones closer and appreciate your teammates, your coaches, the people in your life. Like I mentioned earlier, we have lots to talk about this preseason, never fear. If you're wondering why I didn't talk about the NHL draft and college players involved in that, that's because I will have an entire episode dedicated to the NHL draft and how it impacts college hockey, who was drafted, where did they go, all of that good thing. We will also have an episode hopefully dedicated to women's college hockey preseason preview. I know there was a bit of a lack of news around them in this episode. Never fear, that's coming up this month. So if you're looking forward to either of those, make sure you're following the podcast, following us on Twitter to find that information. Also, because I am Sam's co-host this season, I would love to have some of our first ever guests on Coast to Coast College Hockey Podcast. So if you would like to be a guest, there's a Google form available on our Twitter account, which is at C2C ch podcast so the letter c number two letter c letter c h podcast on twitter and you can fill out that form you do not need any podcast experience you can be a casual fan you can be a player you can work in college hockey we want to hear from you and I think that wraps up our first episode of season two thank you for joining me for this inaugural episode of season two and if you have any opinions any news that you felt I missed out on please share it with me on twitter Um, you also can use my personal handle which is at jenna van sickle I would love to hear from you all I am enjoying this season so far excited for the preseason episodes I have planned and thank you for sticking with us we'll see you next week (laughs) 